Isn't waiting frustrating sometimes? You know, I, I hate to wait sometimes. I hate to wait at stoplights. You know, I, I hate to pull up at a stoplight and look in front of me and see a car. I'm like, oh, they're not going to pull away fast enough. This is not going to be a good, a good thing. Or um, I look at them and they're looking down and I'm thinking they're looking at their phone and they should be looking at the light, waiting for it to turn green. Like, oh, I just, I hate that. I hate waiting in traffic jams. I, I hate waiting on hold. You know, you call a, a restaurant to make an order and your first question you're asked is, hey, can you wait? Can I put you on hold? And before you can answer and say yes or no, you're on hold and you're waiting and waiting and waiting. Uh, I hate to wait at the grocery store. Uh, there are times that I just won't go. There are stores that I'll choose not to go to because I know that it will involve waiting. And so I'll get up at, you know, four in the morning to go to that store. Why? Because I don't want to wait in line at that store. You think about what we do when we get sick. Where do we go? We go to the doctor's office and what room do we wait in? The wait, you've been there. Yeah, we wait in the waiting room. So we go to the, our doctors and we wait in these waiting rooms and no matter how uh, decorative the room is, no matter if there's a big fish tank or there's magazines that you like to read or a big TV that's got your sports channel or the news channel, we hate to wait. It doesn't help our waiting any. Have you ever listened to a sermon that just went on and on and on and you wondered like, is it ever going to end? If you haven't. Just wait. It could happen today. Anybody been to Disney or SeaWorld or Universal Studios in this past year, a couple of years? Yeah, a number of us. All right, those places are full of waiting. Uh, this past year, my wife got some deals. I think it was a Black Friday thing, buy one, get one free. And so we've got, uh, there's four uh, kids that we have, so six of us. And we thought, oh, this would be great, a chance for us to go to SeaWorld. So last Christmas, right after Christmas, we decided that was the perfect time. Why? Because nobody else is going to be at SeaWorld, right? At Christmas time, they're going to be home with, with their family or their friends. Well, we were wrong. Like, I think everybody in Florida or everybody who was visiting Florida went to SeaWorld that day. I think I saw you there. And we were all there. It took us two and a half hours to get into the parking lot. And we got off I-4 and, and, and thought, oh, this is great. And we got off I-4 and thought, oh, no. This is not a good prediction of the day. And so we waited two and a half hours. Once we, we got in, we got to spend the rest of the day waiting and waiting, waiting for rides, waiting for attractions, waiting for the shows. I mean, we just waited and waited and waited. And then the employees at SeaWorld, they were so nice. They put up these signs that would help us with our waiting. They, they, these signs, like we saw one sign, I think it said like, from this point, it'll be another three days before you get to see the penguins. <laughs> Find a spot, comfortable spot on the concrete, and hopefully somebody will wake you up when it's your turn. I'm not sure, but man, I, I just, there are times I hate to wait. Now, it's one thing to wait, you know, at SeaWorld. Uh, and then there are other things that are very difficult, more difficult to wait for. There's the single person looking around and watching people in relationships, and they wonder, like, will I ever have one of those? Will anybody ever love me the way I see other people in love? And at this point, they're just waiting. There are parents wondering if God will ever allow them to have kids of their own. And they wait, and they wait, 
And they wait and they look around and they say, you know, there's other people, they're having kids and they, they even say in their heart, you know, maybe not out loud, but they say like, there's some folks like maybe they shouldn't have kids and I would love to have a child and yet they can have kids and I'm waiting. There's the person stuck in a marriage and they just wonder like, is this the year that this marriage is going to turn around? Is my, is my spouse ever going to get it? Are they ever going to understand that they're just destroying this relationship that we have? And they wait. There's the, the person waiting for a, a health issue, like a, a diagnosis or a treatment or a healing. I know a number of people in our church family that are waiting for that. And, and they wait. And there are some people just waiting for a diagnosis. They don't even know what they're dealing with. And they're like saying, like, Lord, like, how long do I have to wait for this? I'm just waiting for a diagnosis. I mean, treatment is one thing, but, but I'm just waiting to know, like, what am I dealing with? That's a hard kind of waiting. We've got a, a guy in our, our church. I'm not sure if he's here this morning. Um, his name's Pat. And there's Pat. Waiting. Pat's waiting. <laughs> Pat is waiting on a heart transplant. Imagine that kind of waiting. Imagine what he and his wife and his kids are going through when they're waiting for a heart. And that, that's a serious kind of waiting. When we wait in situations like that, we often ask a question. And even if you're not a believer in God, you don't have a relationship with him, you're like, I'm not sure you know, God exists or God's real or all that. Even in those situations or people in that spot, even those folks sometimes will ask God a question. It's found all throughout the Bible. Um, this question is asked in all kinds of, of ways. And we're going to listen this morning to how King David asked this question in Psalms 13. So David uh, was the second king of the nation of Israel. If you know the story of David and Goliath, that's this David. And uh, the Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. So he had this great relationship with God. And even with that, listen to the question that David asked. So Psalms 13, starting in verse 1. Oh Lord, how long will you forget me forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart? How long? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? And think about how maybe you ask that question or, or how maybe we ask that question. How long until I get a diagnosis, Lord? How long until I find that special someone? How long until the, the situation I'm in is, is fixed? How long until my wayward child comes home? Lord, how long? And then in verse three, David gets tired of waiting. And he says this to God. He says, turn and answer me, O Lord my God. Restore the sparkle to my eyes or I will die. Don't you feel that way sometimes? And there are moments that I feel that way. There are moments, uh, it's like, God, please, just look at me. Just answer me. Like something, some answer is better than no answer. Just please say something or I feel like I'm gonna die. The Bible's actually full of people who ask that question, full of people wrestling with waiting situations. There are people who waited and watched God do amazing things. There are people who waited and it seems like God didn't do anything, at least from our perspective of it, without looking at his perspective. Then there are people who waited and got tired of waiting and they couldn't wait any longer. 
And so they jumped in to, to fix it and, and, and solve this problem that they had. And they kind of pushed God aside and like, if you won't do it, I'll do it. So in this series, what we're going to do is we're going to look at some waiting stories in the Bible. We're going to see some waiting success stories. We're actually going to look at that next week. Um, but there are moments that we learn more from waiting failures than we do successes. So today we're going to start with a waiting failure, and you could call it an epic fail, um, even though those two words should never be together in a sentence, okay? You know, just saying. So we're going to look at a couple that, that made a decision that brought huge consequences for them and for us. And for some of you, this is going to be an old story. You're like, yeah, I've heard it. And once I tell you uh, who we're going to talk about, you might mentally check out. I'm like, yeah, I've heard that story before. I know kind of where this is going. So what I ask of you this morning is, is not to do that. Like, come to this story like it's the, the first time you've read it, the first time you've heard it. Like anytime we come to the Bible, that's the way we should approach the Bible. Not as if like, okay, let me gloss over that one. I've already read that story. I know where this is going to go. We should always slow down enough and say, God, teach me what you want to teach me through this story as if I'm just hearing it for the very first time. And if you are hearing it for the first time, you may hear this story and go, that's whacked. Like, what a weird story. Is that really in the Bible? Yeah, it's in the Bible. There's all kinds of whacked, weird stories in the Bible. And I think God puts them there because, again, sometimes we learn more from people's failures than we do their successes. So today we're going to start in Genesis chapter 12. In Genesis chapter 12, we get the story of Abraham and Sarah. And Abraham and Sarah, actually their names were different prior to this encounter with God. Their names were Abram and Sarai. And they had this amazing encounter with God and God showed up and, and God made this big promise to them. And then shortly after that, he changed their names. Uh, so listen to Genesis chapter 12 actually starts recording this encounter with God. And we get this amazing promise from God as he first interacts with him. So Genesis chapter 12, starting verse one, says, the Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family and go to the land that I will show you. Now imagine if God showed up in your world and said that. He said, listen, I want you to leave all of your family, all of your relatives, the land that you know, and I just want you to go somewhere and I'll show you where it is as we go. How exciting would that be? Some of you would be like, man, adventure, that sounds great. And others of us would be freaked out. Like, what? Like, I gotta know. Like, where are we going and what are we doing? And I'm leaving who? And how long am I gonna be gone? Well, God showed up to, in Abram's world, in Sarai's world, and said that. And then he gives him this promise. It says, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. Now, what an amazing promise. Can you imagine God showing up in your world, maybe today or maybe tomorrow, and giving you that promise that I'm going to make you famous all throughout history, not just in your generation, not just in your lifetime. I'm going to make you famous throughout history. Anybody ever heard of Abraham before? Anybody? You can raise your hand. It's okay. If you haven't, that's fine. But there's a lot of us that have heard of Abraham. God fulfilled that promise. Now, imagine if God said, I'm going to bless your friends and I'm going to curse your enemies. How useful would that be at work? Like, hey, don't mess with me. Like, you know what God said? Like, either on your, you're on my good side, and that'll go good for you. If you're on my bad side, not so good. I mean, that would be amazing. We would love that. Now, for Abram, though, there was a problem. 
He was 75 at the time and he didn't have any kids. And so he was considered past childbearing years. Now, people back then lived a whole lot longer than than we do now. Abraham lived to 175 years old, but he was considered to be too old. And his wife was certainly considered to be too old. She was considered to be barren at that time. And so they're wondering, like, how in the world is God going to do this? How is God going to fulfill this promise? And so God comes along later and reconfirms the promise. In Genesis 15, he comes back and he says, listen, I'm going to do this. You're going to have descendants. You're going to have kids. You're going to have more uh, descendants than there are stars in the sky. And I don't know if you've, you've ever seen a starry night where there weren't uh, city lights around to distract you from the, the true beauty of the stars, but it's amazing. It's amazing to go out and not have the distraction of city lights around and to look up and to see the stars. I mean, it looks like there's thousands of them. And through technology, we understand there are millions of stars in the universe. And so God comes to Abram and says, I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to give you as many descendants as there are stars in the sky. Genesis chapter 15, verse 6 says that Abram believed the Lord. And the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. So when he's looking around at his situation, he's, he's looking at his age, he's looking over at his wife's age, and he's going like, it's not humanly possible. Even in that situation, he believed God, and God counted it as righteous for his faith, because of his faith. So in your situation, your waiting situation, when you're waiting, do you believe that God can still work in your singleness? Do you believe that God can still work in your marriage? Do you believe that God can still work in your health? Do you believe that, that God can still work in your job, in your finances? Do you believe that God can still do what to you seems humanly impossible? I mean, you look around and go like, it's just not possible. This isn't gonna work. Do you believe that God can still work? Well, Abram did. He did, he believed that. And he waited, and he waited, and he waited. He and Sarah waited 10 years for God to fulfill his promise. They waited until they couldn't wait any longer. You know, it's been 10 years, Abraham. 10 years since God made us that promise. 10 years of just waiting. I know it's been 10 years. You're very good at reminding me every year. Well, 10 years and no children. He said your descendants would be more numerous than the stars. At this rate, it's never gonna happen. I'm 75 years old and I have no children, none. But I'm a good wife and I'm faithful. Yet the Lord's prevented me from having any children. How much longer do we have to wait on this promise? Sarah, when it's time, it's time. We've been waiting on God to fulfill this promise, one we didn't even ask for. We've been waiting forever. I'm not even physically able to have children anymore. How's God going to fulfill his promise now? I don't know. Have you even considered what I suggested? About taking your maid, Hagar, as my wife. About having children through her. I only suggest it because in our country, this is a custom. It's what people do. If they want to have a child, an heir, it's not unusual. That's a great idea. You know, everyone else is doing it. We should probably do it too. If you take my maid, maybe we can have children through her. Maybe that's God's plan. But Sarah, 
Abraham, I've been waiting in humiliation as a barren woman. We have cattle, land, wealth, and influence, and yet here I am with no children. I can't give you a child. You have no heir beyond that lowly excuse of a nephew lot. And this God gave you a promise, one that your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren would be more numerous than the stars. How's that going to happen if I can't even get pregnant? I can't wait any longer. I'm done waiting. If you feel like this is what's right, if you feel like we've waited long enough, we've waited long enough. One of the dangers of waiting is that we can get tired of it. And we can get to that spot where we convince ourselves, you know what, I've just waited long enough. I've waited, in fact, probably too long. And we can convince ourselves, you know what, I've waited long enough that I don't have to obey God anymore. Like I'm exempt from his, his promises and his principles. I don't have to follow his command or his path anymore. I can do something different. I'm so tired of waiting. Like I'm exempt in this moment. You know, somebody can say, like, I'm so tired of waiting for intimacy. I'm so tired of waiting for, for finding the right person that God wants me to marry and experience intimacy within the context of that marriage. I'm just going to go out and sleep with whoever I can get a hold of. I'm going to go out and enter a relationship with the first person that comes along. I'm going to lower my standards. I'm tired of waiting. Or we can convince ourselves that God needs our help. You know what? Somehow God has, has not been able to fulfill his promise. Somehow God is, has lost his resources or something, like, like he, he needs some lunch money or something, so we got to help God out. And so we, we think, you know what, I'm, I'm going to help God out with this situation. He can't fix my marriage, so I guess I'm just going to set that one aside and I'll start over with another one. God can't get me the job that, that I need to provide for my family. I'm just going to cut some corners, maybe some ethical corners, maybe take a job I, don't, I, I probably shouldn't have, do some ethical things, unethical things within my job to get the money that I feel like I need. We can convince ourselves of all kinds of, of strange things when we feel like we've waited too long. So like, what are you tempted to do? What are you tempted to believe when you think you've waited long enough? Just waited long enough for, for God to work. For Abraham and Sarah, they felt like God needed their help. And so their solution was for Abraham to sleep with Hagar, which was Sarah's servant. Now, I'm not all that smart of a guy but I just know that's not going to go well. Anybody ever like watch a movie and like you can predict, okay, that's not going to go well. Or you read a book and like, oh yeah, that, that's not going to end real well. Well, it doesn't end real well. The Bible tells us about it in Genesis chapter 16. So listen to how that unfolds. Genesis chapter 16, starting in verse one, says, now Sarai, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having children. So go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed with Sarai's proposal. Okay, honey, if, you, if that's what you think, if you think I should go sleep with your young servant, okay, that's fine. I'll do that. So Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abraham as a wife. This happened 10 years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. So Abram had sexual relations with Hagar, and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress, Sarai, with contempt. And Sarai said to Abram, this is all your fault. I put my servant into your arms, but now that she's pregnant, she treats me with contempt. The Lord will show who's wrong, you or me. Did you see that one coming? 
Yeah, kind of predictable. Verse six, so Abram, he's got this really classic response. Like, look, she's your servant, so deal with her as you see fit. And Sarai treated Hagar so harshly that she finally ran away. If you're new to the Bible, you might think, like, that is one weird story. And it is. It's kind of like, you know, Desperate Housewives of the Old Testament, the reality TV show. Watch ABC. It might be on soon. Not sure. There are some weird stories in the Bible. And Abraham and Sarah, they got tired of waiting. And so when they got tired of waiting, they came up with this solution. And the solution had huge consequences, not only for them, but for us today. It's interesting when you listen to Genesis chapter 16, verse 12, it says that the son born to Hagar, his name was Ishmael, says this about him. He would be a wild man, as untamed as a wild donkey, and he will raise his fist against everyone, and everyone will be against him. He will live in open hostility against all of his relatives. Have you ever wondered why there's so much tension in the Middle East? Much of that can be traced to that verse and that decision that Abraham and Sarah made to not wait on God to work in their situation. And that's the thing for us. When, when we get impatient, when we think, you know what, I've waited long enough. Like, I don't have to wait any longer. I can do just whatever I want to do because God has made me wait. We can do some really crazy things. We can mess things up horribly that affect not only us, but can affect our, our family, our descendants, or our friends. I mean, can, it can affect our family line for generations. You know, I, I always wonder, you know, if we look back in the generations in our family tree, we may be able to pinpoint the exact moment, the exact decision that someone made in our family tree that affects us today. And guess what? When we make decisions today, it can affect generations to come. And they can look back and go, oh, that was the moment. That was the time. That was the decision. My, my grandfather, my grandmother, my great-grandfather, my great-grandmother, whoever, they made that decision in that moment. So we can mess things up horribly when we jump in and don't wait for God to work. Now, before we're too hard on Abraham and Sarah, they had waited 10 years for God to fulfill his promise. I mean, he promised that they would have a kid, and he waited, they waited 10 years, and then they ultimately waited 25 years for Isaac, their son, the, the son that God blessed them with. They waited 25 years. So let me ask this. Could you wait that long? Could you wait 10 years? Could you wait 25 years? Would you wait that long? I mean, I have a hard time waiting 10 minutes sometimes for God to work. You know, I, I ask a, a, a prayer request or praying like, God, come on, it's been like nine minutes already. Like, what's going on? Did you fall asleep? How long are you going to wait on me, God? Sometimes we, we just don't feel like we can wait. So we got to be careful when we're judging other people and how they're doing it waiting without asking, how am I doing it waiting? So in your situation, if you're in a waiting spot, how are you doing? How are you doing right now Waiting. Are you struggling at that? Are you jumping in trying to fix things out? Are you giving God all these ideas for how he should solve your problem? Are you trying to do it yourself and taking the control away from God or are you waiting for God to work? God finally fulfilled his promise in Genesis chapter 21. So Genesis chapter 21, starting in verse one, it says this, the Lord kept his word and did for Sarah exactly what he had promised. She became pregnant and gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. This happened at just the time God said it would. Powerful sentence. 
at just the time God said it would. In your situation, God will work exactly when he said he would, exactly when he thinks it should happen for you. Exactly. Not before, not after, just exactly at the right time. Verse 3, and Abraham named their son Isaac. Eight days after Isaac was born, Abraham circumcised him as God had commanded. Abraham was 100 years old when Isaac was born. And Sarah declared, God has brought me laughter. All who hear about this will laugh with me. I mean, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse a baby, and yet I have given Abraham a son in his old age? It's amazing that God fulfilled his promise exactly when he said he would. He didn't need their help. He didn't need them to jump in and take control. He didn't need them to offer all these suggestions for how God should work. He just needed them to trust him and to wait on him. Now, we've just entered a season that we call the Advent season. It's a season described as a season of waiting. We have this expectant waiting, and it offers us two perspectives on waiting, especially around Christmas. So it offers us this perspective where we look back symbolically and we we celebrate what was waited on over 2,000 years ago, that Jesus was born, that he came in the flesh to live with us. Then it offers us this other perspective that we look forward and there's this other kind of waiting that we have right now where we're looking forward to a day where God will come back, where Jesus will come back and the Bible teaches that's a reality. And I'm so grateful for that reality that one day Jesus is gonna come back. So question for all of us is how are we living while we wait for that? How are you living? How am I living? Are you faithfully serving him while you wait? Is there this expectant waiting, you know, kind of like a a mother, a new mom who's pregnant and she just knows like any day now and I'm so excited about what is coming, this new little one that I will be able to hold. Do you have that kind of excitement and expectation that God, the creator of the universe, Jesus is gonna come back again? Or have you gotten tired of waiting? You've gotten tired of it. Now are you saying, you know what? I don't know that he's going to come back. I've waited so long, like I'm just going to live any way that I want. I'll do what I want. I'm not sure that he'll come. I'm not sure he'll come in my lifetime. Have you given up on waiting? And are you violating any of God's principles while you do that? So this Christmas, I thought it would be great for us to practice the spiritual discipline of waiting. Doesn't that sound exciting? (laughs) I've got some really great opportunities for you to practice this. And the first one is each week we make this thing available called the Spiritual Growth Challenge. So you can pick it up at our Connection Center. You can download it off our website later today. And on that, we've, I've got the story of Abraham and Sarah listed in the Bible. So you could go, go to your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, grab one from the back of our seating section. That's our free gift to you. And, and take that home, pick up a spiritual growth challenge, and then just follow along and read the story again. Read Abraham and Sarah's story. Watch how they walk this out. And then put yourself in that story and say, God, what do you want to teach me as I watch them wait and then I watch them fail in this moment? What do you want me to learn as I watch them in their waiting? How can I apply that to my situation? Now, here are some more challenging types of waiting in this Advent season. Um, Most of us will do some sort of shopping, either Christmas shopping, 
grocery shopping. You'll be waiting in long lines, possibly. So here's my challenge, okay? So I know you're looking at the picture on the screen. So when you go up to the checkout line and you've already analyzed which one is going to go the fastest and who is violating the over 10 in your cart rule uh, in the checkout line, the speedy checkout line, um, I encourage you, I challenge you to get in the longest line on purpose. I know. I know. I'll do it too. Okay? So get in the longest line on purpose. And then if someone gets in line behind you, let them go in front of you. Okay? And if they ask, what in the world is wrong with you? Your answer can be, I'm learning how to wait on the Lord. This is something that my church has challenged me to do. And so I'm learning how to wait. And if they're like, you have lost your mind. So I know, it's actually from my pastor. He's lost his mind. And so why don't you come to church with me next week and you, know, you can hear how much he's lost his mind. You can invite somebody to church while you're standing in line, wherever. When you're driving around town or you're driving on the interstate this Christmas season, maybe you'll go see family or friends or whatever, get in the slow lane on purpose, okay? And then, it's even more challenging, Drive the speed limit during the Advent season, okay? Last week, Evan said, you know, how many of you drive five miles an hour over? How many drive 10? How many drive 15? And so my challenge for all of us, myself included, is to drive the speed limit this Advent season. And if somebody in your car says, what in the world are you doing? Say, I'm I'm obeying the law. (laughs) And I'm trying to learn how to wait. I want to expectantly wait to wherever we're going. It's going to be even better when we get there. It's going to be awesome because I've learned a little bit about waiting. And when that obnoxious person pulls up behind you and they're honking and honking and honking and they're telling you, you're number one and they're not real happy about it, (laughs) just pray for them to get a speeding ticket on up the road. (laughs) Don't do that. That's not good. Don't pray for them to get a speeding ticket, all right? So just pray for them that, that they would experience the true meaning of the Advent season. That's about waiting. It's about waiting for God. All right, so as you leave today, you're gonna come across some some stoplights. As you drive around town, all throughout this season, you're gonna see stoplights and the colors of the the lights represent Christmas for us, or they can. Uh, And so what does the red light mean? Stop. So when you pull up at a red light and you see that red light, allow that to tell you that, hey, I need to stop. There's some things that I need to stop. I need to stop worrying I need to stop trying to figure this out. I need to start trusting God so I can trust in this moment that God is in control. He's going to do exactly what he needs to do when he wants to do it so I can just rest and stop. What's the yellow light mean? For those of you who think it means speed up, it actually means be careful and slow down. So when you see the yellow light, allow that to remind you, hey, I need to slow down. We just did a whole series on margin, how important it is for us to have space in our life to breathe and think and grow. So when you see the yellow light, say, oh yeah, Lord, I need to slow down. I need to have more margin in my life. What's a green light mean? Go. So go. So when you see the green light, you're driving through the green light, allow that to remind you that God sometimes says yes, 
And God is working and God has worked in your life. So allow that moment as you're driving through that to say, God, thank you for all the ways that you are working and that you have worked in your life. And then spend some time recounting those things. God, I thank you for how you've worked in my life this morning already. God, I thank you for what you did last week, last year, the last 10 years. God, thank you for how you work. You are actively working in my life. For those of you who are in a very difficult season of waiting, I encourage you to trust God while you wait. Just trust him. Trust that God is gonna work in a powerful way in your situation. Listen to what King David said. So in Psalms 13, David said, after he asked, how long will I have to wait? In verse five, he says this, but I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. Isn't that interesting? As he starts the conversation saying, God, how long will you forget me? When are you gonna show up and rescue me? And then he says, God, I'm gonna thank you because you have rescued me. Now, had God rescued him in that moment? No, but he was looking forward with great anticipation and expectation of what was going to happen, how God was going to rescue him. And so he tied himself back to that truth. That's something that we can do together this Christmas season is we can say, God, I'm gonna trust you. I thank you for how you are going to work and I'm waiting expectantly for that day that you will work. So while we wait this Christmas season, let's trust that God will do exactly what he wants to do, exactly when he wants to do it. Let's pray together. Lord, waiting is so incredibly difficult for us to do. And God, I know that we don't understand all the aspects of waiting. We don't understand the the benefits of waiting. We don't understand what you're gonna do in us while we wait. And so God, we'll look at that next week a little bit. And we don't fully grasp what happens when we choose not to wait. And Lord, there are some people there in that, in that spot this morning. There are some people this morning at, at that spot in their relationship or in their job or in their finances or in their health. And they're just like, I- I'm sick of waiting. Lord, I pray today through Abraham and Sarah's story that they would choose to believe that you can work in their situation. They would choose to stop worrying. They would choose to start trusting. I pray that we would all be like David, even in those moments where we cry out to you, God, and say, how long? We'll tie ourselves back to your truth that that you will rescue us. You will. You will step in. You will intervene exactly the right time and exactly the way that you want to. And what you ask of us is that we wait. We work on the spiritual discipline of waiting. We learn how to be people who know how to wait on you. And we wait expectantly for you to work. We wait expectantly, Lord, for you to return. So Lord, I pray that you would work powerfully in us as a church family, even in those moments where we can't even see how you are working. So I pray that we would trust you while we wait. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, good morning and welcome to Epic. We are so glad that you are here today. My name is Tim Jones. I'm one of the pastors on staff. And if you are a guest with us today, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, if you'd like to know more information about who we are, we'd love for you to stop by our Connection Center located right over here and be able to answer any questions that you might have and be able to meet you as well. Well, if you are a guest um, as well, and if you've got kids, I would love to tell you about our kids' environment. So we've got some amazing kids' environment 
environments that happen uh, during this service. And so we've got areas designed for your babies, for twos and threes, and pre-K to kindergarten and first through fifth. And then also sixth to eighth grade, they meet during the second service. That's called Pipeline. And it's an amazing environment right here in the gym. And so if you've got kids and you're new and you're a guest, um, we've got tons of great areas for you. And we just wanted to let you know about that. And uh, if you've got your kids in the service, that's totally fine. I just want to let you know about our family zone, which is located right over here on the other side of these curtains in the teacher lounge. And so if your kids become restless, because those are kids, you know, uh, if you wouldn't mind just taking them on over there, and we actually pipe in the uh, audio over there so you'll be able to continue to hear the service. Now, today we have two amazing guests uh, all the way from Guatemala. So I'm going to invite both Alex and Melanie up here. So if you would give them a warm applause as they come up here. Awesome. So if you don't know, uh, we go to Guatemala on a regular basis. Many of you have been to Guatemala, and many of you will be going. If you don't know you're going, you will be going in 2016. Uh, But we're going to be advertising that here pretty soon. Uh, But from time to time, we have our partner church that have staff members that come up, and uh, they get to visit at times, and we love when they come and visit us. And so some of you already saw Alex. He was back here playing away back here on stage and everything, and so Alex is is from Guatemala, and Melanie is from the States, and met Alex down in Guatemala, and then they got married, and they have two amazing kids. We should have, like, pictures of their kids. They're beautiful, so uh, on the stage there, but we thought we would love to be able to get them up here on stage, uh, ask a few questions so you can get to better know them, especially as you're going to be going on those mission trips in 2016, so when we get a cool opportunity, we'd love to be able to get them up here on stage and... uh, introduce them to you. And so I'm going to ask them a couple questions. Alex is amazing at English, but he's like, you know, let me just play guitar today. So I said, all right, that's totally fine. So I won't put him on the spot there. But uh, Melanie is on staff at Iglesia del Camino. She is the missions director down there. And so they have 36 teams that come in a course of a year. We send two teams. So they have 36 teams, 28 weeks out of the year. She is dealing with tons of churches that are sending teams down to help them out. And so she is a very busy woman down there with all these teams that come down there. And she has an amazing team that helps her out and everything. So just wanted to introduce her officially to you. And then I've got a couple questions for you. So the first question is just tell us some of the things that IDC or Iglesia del Camino is involved with uh, down there in Antigua, Guatemala. Good morning. We're excited to be here with you all. Um, We love our epic family, so thank you for letting us join you this morning. Um, Iglesia del Camino is very involved in the surrounding community about an hour around us, um, doing all kinds of ministry and helping others with children's ministries, feeding programs. We build houses, delivering water filters, um, maintenance, construction, a little bit of everything. If somebody needs help, we try to jump in and offer some help. That's awesome. They do a bunch, and so that's just a snippet. But uh, uh, And one of the cool things is they also do like child sponsorship um, at one of the feeding centers that we work with in one of those t- surrounding towns. And you may not know this, but your kids and your students have this past fall been raising money to sponsor uh, several children who uh, down there, after fourth grade, is it? Um, they don't get any more schooling. And so uh, they have to pay to go to schooling. So we're 
sponsoring several kids down there, and your kids raised $1,400 to send, I think, nine kids or six kids uh, to school this year. And so they did an awesome job back there. Yeah, so, so if, they were, if they were bugging you for money, that's what it was for. So they were doing that. Um, but let me ask you this question. So how does Epic and the teams that are from all these churches uh, help you guys in the work that you're doing? Well, as I mentioned, you know, helping out in the community, most of the ministries, their partner ministries around um, already doing these things, but they lack resources, they lack manpower, and they're not really able to keep up with all of the things they would like to do on their own. Obviously, Guatemala is a fairly poor country, and so there's a lot of people with good hearts uh, wanting to serve and help their own people, but they just don't have what they need to make that happen. So when you guys send teams down, send your resources, sponsorship, raising funds to build houses, we're able to come alongside those families and those ministries um, as a global church and in the name of Christ be able to help them and get them what they need for what they're already doing. Awesome. Well, cool. Well, thank you guys so much. So they're actually going to be at a back table back here. They brought coffee from Guatemala, okay? If you have not had Guatemala coffee, it is better than anything you've had here in the States. So uh, they're going to be back there at the table. So meet and greet them. Uh, they're selling it for $10, but let's be generous. I mean, it's worth like 20 50 bucks or something like that. But anyways, uh, be generous with them because it helps them come to the States and support their travel costs and everything like that. So give them a round of applause for being here this morning. So Now, let me just finish off with a few more announcements as we're kind of closing uh, to the end of the year here. So uh, some of the things that are happening today is the last day to turn in your gifts for the Epic Giving Tree. And so if you forgot that and you're looking at each other right now and going, oh, no, we forgot, uh, that's okay. We're going to be here for quite a while after each of the services because we break down after a second service till about 1, 1.30. And so if you forgot them, go ahead and go home after the service, bring them back to the table over here with the card and turn them in for the Epic Giving Tree. Uh, to be able to help those families out. And then another way that we can give to help people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ is through giving. And so if you call Epic your home, there's two ways that you can give. You can give through the giving boxes located at the end of each section or uh, securely online at theepicchurch.com. Now, there's a few more things that are happening uh, in the month of December that I want to bring you up to speed on. Uh, December 20th is our last service for the year, so that's kind of our big Christmas series or service. Today, we're kicking off a Christmas series, uh, but we are uh, ending on December 20th, and so if you have friends and family members that uh, you want to invite, that would be a great service to invite them to, and uh, then on December 27th, we will be having no services. So if you show up, there might be one or two other people that are here and you guys can go do coffee, uh, but we won't have services on December 27th and that's to uh, give you guys the opportunity to spend time with your family, your friends, the volunteers as well to be able to enjoy Christmas and the New Year's uh, together. And then we will be getting back together on January 3rd uh, to kick off 2016. 
And for those of you who contribute on a regular basis, just to wrap things up uh, so that you know what to do with your giving and everything, um, the way to do that is you can go ahead and bring your contributions to that December 20th service. Um, if you want to mail them in, you can mail them uh, to our offices uh, as long as they are postmarked uh, by December 31st. If you give online, give by December 29th because it takes a couple days to process. So if you're uh, wanting to know how to do that for the end of your contributions, just wanted to let you know that. So what we want to do is start our Christmas series today and uh, prepare our hearts uh, for what God would want us to have. So if you would, um, let's pray together before we begin. So Father, uh, we thank you so much for who you are. And God, thank you so much, uh, just even having Alex and Melanie here, God, and just a reminder of what you are doing in the world. It is an amazing work of what you are doing down in Guatemala. So I really just, um, we would love for everyone to at least go on one trip out of the country. And uh, so, God, would you just impress upon people's hearts of who needs to go this uh, coming year in 2016. Father, we pray for the services today. Uh, Whatever you would like to speak to our hearts um, as we prepare our hearts for Christmas, God, and the meaning that you gave your son. You gave your son to save us. And so we thank you for that, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 